Everyone has questions. Why am I here? Where will I go when I die? Is there really truth? But not everyone has biblical answers. Welcome to The Pastor Study, a ministry of pastorstudy.org. Join us now as we study the Bible to draw closer to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Here is Pastor Tom Brock. Welcome to the Pastor Study. I went on a road trip a while ago. I love just getting in the car and sightseeing. And this time I got all the way down to New Orleans. I took the guided tour of New Orleans and saw what the flood did years ago. And, and then about 9 o'clock at night, I walked down Bourbon Street. Now you've heard of Bourbon Street, Birth of the Blues, Birth of the Jazz. It was fascinating. It's now traffic free, so it's a pedestrian street, and it goes on for blocks and blocks and blocks. And on either side are all these jazz clubs that you can hear because all the windows are open and, and it's neon lights and strip joints too. But I'm walking down, and there's lots of people with me walking down Bourbon Street at 9 o'clock at night. And most of it's interesting, some of it's kind of depressing. But right in the middle of Bourbon Street are four or five people who have set up this big cross. They're handing out salvation tracts, and one of them is preaching at a microphone. And I walked by them, and I just, I prayed for them. Lord, use these people to reach the lost. And, and I thought, you know, I should go back and thank them. So I turned around, I went back, and I said, thank you for being here. I'm a pastor up in Minneapolis, et cetera, et cetera. We had the best talk. And I said, do many people give you grief for doing what you're doing? And they said, a few, but mostly we get support. And I said, does anybody accept Christ down here? And they said, not many. <laughs> but God bless them, they're trying. All right, that happened in New Orleans. I turn the car around, I head up back to Minneapolis, and I'm going through Iowa. The Iowa State Fair happened to be going on. So I stayed overnight, got up early the next morning, and went to the worship service on Sunday morning at the Iowa State Fair. Lots of people at the ecumenical service, 8.30 in the morning, the old Methodist preacher gets up to preach. And I'm thinking, and I prayed, Lord, may he preach salvation. May he preach the core of Christianity. It was so lame. You know what his message was? Let's be good neighbors. How many of you remember Mr. Rogers? Mm -hmm. Well, let's be good neighbors. I mean, he mentioned Jesus in the sermon but barely, didn't say a word about how to be saved. And, and you know, <laughs> um, you, you know what it reminded me of? It reminded me of the worst missed opportunity I've ever had in my life. I turned on years ago Ronald Reagan's funeral when he died. Millions of people are watching Ronald Reagan's funeral. Senator Danforth, who was also an Episcopal priest, gets up to give the sermon, and I pray, Lord, may he preach the gospel. It was horrible. He didn't mention Jesus in the sermon. There was one vague reference to our Lord's resurrection, and that was it. I was grieved. That night, there was a second funeral for Ronald Reagan, where his son, Michael Reagan, who's a born-again Christian, preached, and he preached the gospel. <laughs> but here's what we're going to do in this half hour. What is the core of Christianity? 
What should that Methodist preacher have preached at the State Fair in Iowa? What should you say to somebody if you want them to become a Christian? We're going to get at this because the Apostle Paul gives a very clear answer to the question, what's the core? So let's find out. Turn with me to Paul's epistle or letter to the Corinthians, chapter 15. 1 Corinthians, chapter 15, and let's pray before we begin. Father, we pray for anyone watching this program who does not really know what Christianity and following Jesus is all about. God, we would pray as we get to the core of Christianity, open our ears and hearts, open my lips, and speak to us, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 1. Paul writes to the church at Corinth. Now I make known to you, brethren, the gospel which I preach to you, which also you received, in which also you stand. Paul's saying, do you remember about five years ago in uh, 50 A.D. when I came to Corinth and I preached the gospel for the first time and many of you got saved and we started the church at Corinth? Well, let me remind you what I preached to you so you could be saved. This is the core of Christianity. Um, verse 2, this gospel by which also you are saved, if you hold it fast, the word which I preached to you unless you believed in vain. Here's the first lesson from this text today. You have to hold to the gospel to be saved. The devil and all of hell are trying to get you to let go of the gospel. You gotta hold on to it to be saved. You know what one of the sorrows of my life has been? So many years I did confirmation classes and they, they come in, they're 14 years old. Oh, yes, Pastor Brock, I, I believe in Jesus. I want to follow him the rest of my life. And they all get confirmed when they're about 14 years old. And by the time they're 15 or 16, where did they go? And Paul is saying, it's not enough to know the gospel. You have to hold fast the gospel to be saved. Look at what the gospel is, verse 3. For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received. Now, I want you to notice something here. Here's the next lesson. Christianity is received, not invented. Paul is saying, look, I didn't make this religion up. I received it from Christ himself. Boy, we need to hear that today. <laughs> there are heretics in the church today, and they are trying to reinvent Christianity. There is a heretical Episcopal bishop by the name of Bishop John Shelby Spong. He's written an awful book called Why Christianity Must Change or Die. Bishop Spong does not believe Jesus rose from the dead. Bishop Spong does not believe Jesus paid for our sins on the cross. He, he denies the, the basics of the Christian faith. And, and why? Because he thinks he has the ability to reinvent Christianity to make it more acceptable. Well, Paul says, no, 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 we don't invent this. I receive this gospel from Christ. Verse 3, for I deliver to you as of first importance, here's the core, what I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. All right, everyone, here's the first essential of Christianity. Here's the core. Christ died for our sins. 
That's the main thing. That's what the pastor at the church in, at the State Fair in Iowa should have been talking about. This is called substitutionary atonement, at one that man and God are at odds. Jesus comes and makes them at one. Substitutionary atonement, it's a fancy word. Basically, here's all it means. I'm a sinner. God is holy. God has to punish sin because he's a holy God. But rather than punish me, God in his love came down to earth and became a man. He lived a perfect life for about 33 years. So when he's 33 years old, Jesus goes to the cross not to pay for his sins, but to pay for my sins so I could be saved. That's called the substitutionary atonement of Christ. Paul says that's what's the core. L let me share it this way. There's a story long ago in the Old West. A rancher has two sons. The younger son comes, Father, I'm tired of living under your roof. I'm tired of having to do your will all the time. I want my inheritance and I'm leaving. He got on his horse and headed out into the West. Two years pass and they haven't heard a thing about the younger son. So he calls his older son to him. Uh, son, what your brother did was wrong, but I miss him and I love him. Go out and search for him and no matter what it costs, bring him home. And the older brother agreed. He got on his horse, went through every town in the Old West. Have you seen my brother? Up and down every street. Have you seen my brother? Looked in the saloons. Have you seen my brother? No word. Well, finally, he's riding on his horse, and he says, I'll do one last town. And here's the town in the distance. As he rides up, a large crowd of people in the town square. And as he rides up closer, they're just lowering the noose over the neck of his younger brother. And he runs up. Stop, what are you doing? This is my brother. And the townspeople in anger turned to him. Your brother has killed in our town. He's robbed our banks. And we demand justice. And the older brother looked at his little brother and loved him. And the older brother remembered what the father said, no matter what the cost. He turned to the townspeople and said, I will die in my brother's place. They hung the older brother, and the younger brother went home free to the father. Do you want to know what the core of the Christian faith is? Is that Jesus died for our sins. If you deny that, you're not a Christian. I had a difficult talk with my sister this week. She's more liberal. She goes to a very liberal United Church of Christ church in Omaha. I went to the website of that church to see what they believe. I was so grieved. So she called me this week and we're talking and I'm praying under my breath, Lord, do I bring it up? And I thought, okay, let's do it. And I, and I said to her, you know, I went to the website of your church. Your congregational pastor does not believe that Jesus died for our sins. He says that to think that God would punish Jesus for our sins is divine child abuse. And I said, please, get out of that church. And listen, if you go to a church where the pastor does not believe that Jesus paid the price to set us free from our sin, run from that church. Can I tell you this? This, this is incredible. This, this made my blood boil. Recently in the news, the Presbyterian Church USA, that's the large liberal Presbyterian denomination, they're doing a new hymnal, and there's a great contemporary hymn called In Christ Alone. 
And the words to that go, until on that cross as Jesus died, the wrath of God was satisfied. Well, the liberals putting together the new Presbyterian hymnal didn't like that. So they changed the words, till on the cross as Jesus died, the love of God was magnified. Did you notice what they left out? They left out the wrath of God. The liberals don't like talking about sin, repentance, death, hell, and the wrath of God. It's all got to be love. And so they, they changed the words, and God bless the authors of the hymn who said, no, we're not changing the words. If you want to use it in your hymnal, you've got to use it as written. And so they dropped it from the Presbyterian hymnal. If you're in the Presbyterian Church USA, that should make you mad. <laughs> Listen, if somebody denies that Jesus died on the cross to save us from the wrath of God, I don't think they're a Christian. Paul says this is, these are the things of first importance, that Christ died for our sins. Look at verse 4. That he was buried and that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. The first essential of the Christian faith is he died for our sins. And the second is Christ rose again. You cannot deny that Jesus rose from the dead and be a Christian. I went to a seminary that was pretty liberal, Luther Seminary here in St. Paul, Minnesota. Even way back when I was in seminary, it was pretty liberal, very liberal students, some of them. One day we're in old Dr. Frost class, godly old preacher, uh, professor, one student puts up his hand, oh, Dr. Frost, do you have to believe in the literal resurrection of Christ from the dead to be saved? And old Dr. Frost looked at him and said, son, you don't play with that one. But again, there are heretics, and heretics in the church that are playing with it. Again, Episcopal Bishop John Shelby Spong does not believe that Jesus rose from the dead. And he's a bishop in the church. That tells me you can be a bishop and lost. Years ago, when I was still a pastor in the ELCA Lutheran Church, and if you're an ELCA Lutheran, you want to leave. Join Missouri Synod Lutherans or some other Lutheran bunch, but watch out for the ELCA. When I was in the ELCA, our bishop brought in Marcus Borg to speak to all the pastors. Marcus Borg is a heretic. He's an Episcopal priest, and he teaches Jesus did not rise from the dead. I wrote the bishop. Bishop Olson, why are you bringing in Marcus Borg? Do we want to promote heresy? He responded, uh, Tom, I think Marcus Borg has a deeper faith than many of us. Well, I didn't go. I refused to go to the lecture. My buddy Leon went. 200 Lutheran pastors sitting listening to this, and Marcus Borg denies the resurrection of Christ. And I said to Leon, did one hand go up and say, what? He said, not a word. Oh, listen, there are two things you cannot deny if you want to be saved. He died for our sins and he rose from the dead. I'm a Lutheran, but you know what I like in the Catholic liturgy? Is when the priest says, let us proclaim the mystery of the faith. And then all the people say, Christ has died, Christ is risen, Christ will come again. Do you know what the, the core of the Christian faith is? What the Methodist preacher should have said at the state fair? And if you want to convert your neighbors or your loved ones or your children, what you, the core of the Christian faith is Christ has died, Christ is risen, Christ will come again. Th that is the crucial center of the Christian faith. I'll close with this. 
my buddies growing up were David and Jeff. They were agnostics. And then we all went to college, and we'd come home in the summer and argue religion. And I'd, I'd preach Adam and Eve and creationism, and they'd preach evolution. And we got nowhere. Finally, somebody said, Tom, you don't preach evolution or creationism. You preach the gospel to these guys. So I, I went back to David and Jeff. I said, if I can have five minutes with you guys to talk to you about Jesus, I'll, I promise I'll never bring it up again. And they said, okay. And so I had this little, these little salvation booklets about how Jesus died for our sins, rose from the dead, believe in him, you'll be saved. I read through that to David. He became a Christian that night. I read it through to Jeff. He didn't convert, but I know, he told me years later, I still got that little booklet you gave me, Tom. Pray for Jeff, because you know what? He goes to the same liberal United Church of Christ church that my sister goes to in Omaha. And is he hearing the gospel? Not at that church he isn't. But my, my plea to you is this. When you talk to people and when you go to a church, make sure you're going to a church that preaches Christ died for our sins and rose from the dead. Make sure that's your main message when you talk to people about Jesus. Amen. Welcome to the portion of the pastor study where we now ask Pastor Brock to share with us his knowledge of scripture and his insights to answer questions we have regarding the Bible, our Lord, and our everyday walk with him. Pastor Brock, can we go a little further on this, what you've been talking about, the core of Christianity? Mm -hmm. You talked about the emergent church. What exactly is the emergent church? You know, church? I, I, I actually, the emergent church, Jackie, I did a whole show on this. I still don't know what they believe. The emergent church tends to be people that used to be in evangelical, Bible-believing churches. And the emergent church, they don't like to give you answers to anything. They, they love the question. They don't love the answer. So to get their, them to say, what do you think about heaven and hell? What do you think about the substitutionary atonement? Some of their leaders deny that Jesus paid for our sins. And so you've got, it's such a gooey movement that they just don't want to tell you what they believe because they're confused. And sadly, they know what they're doing. They, they want to be cloudy. So I would, I mean, I, I will tell you that um, they tend to be very pro-homosexual. They tend to be... Uh, universalistic, which means everybody goes to heaven. Uh, Jesus is nice, but you don't absolutely need to believe in him to be saved. That, that, uh, but again, some of them don't believe that, but some of them do. It's just this cloudy movement that I would stay away from. You know, Pastor Brock, I've noticed that there's a lot of churches that have been a name of a church and it identified, like, say, with Lutheran yeah. or Covenant or something like that. Are they, they become a new church, like the Discovery Church yeah. or something like that, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, or a fellowship. Yeah. Are those emergent churches? No, they, uh, the, what they are is they're like a, let's say that it's a Baptist are doing this. Instead of calling themselves um, a Georgia Baptist Church because the word Baptist could scare people, they'll call themselves the Georgia Community Church. Okay. <laughs> and I don't think anything's wrong with that. But how does a person know what the background of that church was? That, for that, you've got to go to the website. Or you got to call the pastor and say, I'm just wondering, is this a Baptist church? Is this Lutheran? What is this exactly? And, uh, and, but Jackie, you, you got to make sure it's a Trinitarian church that believes in one God and three persons, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. they got to believe we're saved by the grace of Christ alone. And, and ask them if they believe in heaven and hell, and you'll find out if that's a good church. Okay. You also talked about the United Church of Christ. Mm -hmm. And what 
what do they believe? Because wasn't the United Church of Christ originally a really good church? Yes, way back. I mean, Jonathan Edwards in the 1700s was the greatest theologian in American history. He was a Congregationalist. He was the president of uh, Princeton University, huge intellect, tremendous preacher. He would not know the Congregational Church today. The United Church of Christ was formed in a merger in 1962. Get this, Jackie. In 1962, they had about two million members. Today, they are less than a million. They have shrunk to less than half of what they used to be. And the United Church of Christ is the most liberal church in Christendom. You can believe pretty much whatever you want and be a member of the UCC. So are they still congregational or no Oh, uh, They would say they are. Okay. And, and, you know, they are big on congregational autonomy, fine. But, I mean, you can, you can hold a unitarian view of God. That is, you can deny Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. You can deny that Jesus is God and be a, un, a UCC pastor. Jonathan Edwards would say, what on earth is going on? Okay, so what are some of the denominations that people should avoid these days? Well, first of all, avoid the cults. I'll put them in two categories. Okay. The cults are groups that say they are Christian but are not, like the Mormons, the Jehovah's Witnesses, the Church of Christian Science, the Unity Church, the um, uh, uh, New Age type religion that claims to be Christian. All that you leave alone because they deny the Trinity, the basic... Uh, the cross and the resurrection ultimately is the only thing that saves, but they say, no, you've got to be good to and earn it, you know. Uh, and so I would avoid that. Now, what denomination should, should you avoid? It seems like we're lacking in denominations. Well, let me tell you this. I was an ELCA Lutheran for years, so you, were you. We left the ELCA Lutheran Church because they promote homosexuality. They pay for abortions with offering dollars in the ELCA. They tend, a lot of them, uh, uh, there's a fair amount of what's called universalism in the ELCA. Everybody's saved. You don't have to believe in Christ. So if you're an ELCA Lutheran, get out and join another Lutheran branch. If you're a PCUSA, Presbyterian Church in, uh, in the United States, if you're a PCUSA Presbyterian, join another church. If you're an Episcopal, if you're in the Episcopal Church in America with the Reverend Catherine Jefford Shorey, who is such a heretic, promoting paganism, get out of that church. There are good alternatives. There are good conservative branches now of these other churches that had to be formed because these other denominations have gone bonkers. So has the ELCA suffered? Uh, ELC Listen to this, Jackie. The ELCA, when they voted to ordain practicing homosexuals in 2009, they have lost so many members, it's the largest church split in American history. Okay, and the ELCA, they have rewritten a hymnal too, haven't yes, they? Yes, they have a new hymnal out, and they've desexed all the, all the psalms. Okay. And they have a hymn there called Mothering God, You Gave Me Birth, and et cetera. So, uh, so you talked about talking to your friends about Jesus. Mm -hmm. So in this day and age, how does one go about talking to a friend mm -hmm. about Jesus? What exactly should you be saying? Well, something I pray almost every morning, Jackie, Lord, use me to talk to one person about you today. And some days it happens, a lot of days it doesn't happen, but at least pray for it in the morning. And Lord, give me the right words, etc. Whenever I talk to some of my relatives, I gotta pray before I pick that phone up. And Jackie, some days it comes up and some days it doesn't. But again, what you say is you don't argue Adam and Eve versus evolution. You don't get into Noah and the ark or Jonah and, and the fish. You get into 
you know we're all sinners. Christ died for our sins. He rose from the dead. Believe in him and you will be saved. That's the core. So you've given the essentials then of mm -hmm. what the Christian faith mm -hmm. should be. Mm -hmm. So I guess one more question. If a person is shopping, I know we've talked about this before, but mm -hmm. I think it bears repeating. Yeah. What should a person be looking for or how can they know if the church they're thinking about joining is a good church? Good. You've got to do that because a lot of churches, they sound Christian, but I, I, here's what I would do. You shake hands with the pastor. Pastor, can I have three minutes of your time? I'm thinking of coming to this church. Pastor, can I ask a few questions? Do you believe that Jesus is the only Savior? Do you believe there's a heaven and a hell? Do you believe the Bible is the uh, highest authority, the, the inspired word of God? Do you believe, tell me what you believe about abortion and homosexuality. If you get tap dancing, you don't want that church. If you get good, clear biblical answers, that's where you go. Okay, Pastor Brock, we've only got about two and a half minutes left. And I know people ask me how things are going with the pastor study and how mm -hmm. things have changed and that. So maybe to end the show today, how about you bring everybody up to sure. speed about what we are doing and Good. how we've changed. Thanks. Well, everybody, we have been on Minneapolis TV for 25 years. For the last two years, we've been on national TV with DirecTV and Dish Network, and before that, a, a different channel. But we're praying we'll have the money to keep going locally and nationally. And I just want to ask you to pray for this ministry that if it's the Lord's will, that next year we'll be able to keep being on all over the country. If the Lord nudges you to support our ministry, uh, you go to pastorstudy.org and you can see how to support us. There will be a, 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 a address, an address at the end of the show if you'd like to support us uh, through through whatever. So just pray for us if you would and We'll see if we continue on the air next year. We hope to, but at the moment, the money is not coming in, especially to do national work. So we're pr we ask you to pray for some miracles to happen, and, and we'd appreciate that. We also um, thank you for the support that you've given us in the past. And, you know, a lot of times when I'm out, people say, well, we don't have the DISH Network, or we don't have DirecTV. That website is so crucial to share what this ministry yep. can do for other people because yep. people can log on to the website and actually view a show. That's right. And not only that, if you're looking for a speaker, Pastor Brock is doing seminars mm -hmm. and teaching at mm -hmm. churches. So if you're looking for something in your church, that might be a possibility as well. And, you know, Pastor Brock, we couldn't do this if we didn't let people know that there are people beside the There are, sides. and do I have time? Real quick, I went to a Baptist church recently. Four people came up at the Baptist church thanking us so much for our show. One of them said, who is that nice lady that asked the questions? She's so sweet. Well, everybody, this is Jackie Albright. She has been going to the church I used to serve, Hope Lutheran Church, her whole life. God and bless I won't tell you how many years <laughs> that is. God bless Jackie. Her husband, Fred, is the director in the back room pulling the buttons back there. And then we have Joel and Carol uh, who are doing the, uh, the um, uh, cameras for us. We've got, so this, this whole ministry is volunteer. So pray for us. Thank you, our volunteers, for all you do. And uh, please pray for us. And if the Lord nudges you to help, hallelujah. See you next time. God bless. Thank you for watching The Pastor Study. You can watch more of our programs at pastorstudy.org. We are on the air preaching the gospel of Christ because of our generous support of you, our viewers. Would you consider supporting our ministry? 
you may do so at pastorstudy.org. Or write The Pastor Study, P.O. Box 41294, Minneapolis, Minnesota 55441. May the blessing of our one triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit be with you today and always.